Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rules of the Game, a podcast for Independent Education's Great Conversations Project, where your host, Butch Porter, that's me, has in-depth conversations with good people about great ideas. If you're listening to this on the Great Conversations page or on our Patreon, we're excited to have you. Please consider becoming a subscriber on either of those pages to get access to special content. Also, for your convenience, please add us to your podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Rules of the Game podcast. My name is Butch Porter. I am your host. Uh, with me today, we have a special guest, uh, none other than Debbie G, who is the owner of Maximum Strategies, is a Leesburg-based company which accelerates performance for sales professionals. I met Debbie in Leesburg because I'm I'm a man about town in Leesburg. I'm always out and about. And actually, one of our a few of our episodes have been recorded at Cavilla Coffee uh, back in the day. Uh, when it was, you know, we did audio only, but I've got Debbie here today and I'm looking forward to talking to her. We have a variety of topics, but mostly it's about powerful women in the workforce. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Debbie, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Butch. I love the word powerful. It makes me feel powerful. Do you feel powerful? I do. <laughs> well, I don't. So, you know, that's cool. You have coffee, so you're covered. Mm. I need I need the coffee flowing. It's like I waited till I was thirty and I chose my addiction carefully. And uh, <laughs> good idea. Coffee, coffee was it. Um, you know, heroin, loose women—they were all too expensive, and so I, <laughs> I decided to stick with coffee. Well, coffee's getting very expensive, but it's really the max is like five bucks, so you're good. Yeah, yeah, it's not a problem. All right, so tell me about yourself, Debbie. What uh, what what brings you to Leesburg? You're not a native, are you? No, I'm not actually. I, I moved here when I was in my 20s. Uh, I was working for MCI at the time, which was, if anybody remembers, it was the first um, competitor in long distance against AT&T when AT&T was broken up. So I came down here and I have been here ever since, but I moved away four times. I came back four times because it's such a, wow. great, it's a great city and there's a lot to offer, but the jobs are always great here and it's turned out to be a technology corridor so sure yeah, it it's funny you and i you ended up in insurance at some point too right yeah just two years ago okay to me it's like another product you know i'm a salesperson i'm a sales and marketing person sure. to me it's just it's another product and you know the principles are still the same interesting you know you should try education next because you and i have uh have taken similar paths like when i moved to lee's well moved to loudon county I was in telecom for a couple of years. I sold like T1s. Oh, yeah. Sold I mean, I got into telecom at precisely the wrong time. Like literally when it was all dying is when I. Right. It so died. I was doing T1s, channelized T1s with. Uh, flexing. Oh. Yeah. All that kind of fun stuff. I did that for about two years and then got into insurance. So I did I did insurance for 10 years. So well, those things are, are recession proof. So. That's what people don't yeah, think one, one would hope. Yeah. 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 One would hope. yeah. Sure. So, so tell me about, um, what was it, what was it like, uh, being at MCI in the, with the eighties, I guess. Are we talking the eighties? So I started with them in 83, which yeah. really, besides my hair dates me. <laughs> um, yeah. 83. I was 26. Right. So, so tell me about how, because when you and I talked, we we talked about how, um, you know, the the difference the difference of women in the workforce and and men in the workforce. And so talk a little bit about how that was like in the eighties, and we can kind of move it. Well, you know, it's kind of a dichotomy, and okay. why I was always the only woman on the sales team, no matter what sales team I was on. And really, until, yeah, until like six years from when I started. So when I started, I was one of 10 people on a team that was made up of men and I was the only woman. Okay. And then the next, the, the next level up, there was only one woman. Her name was Dana Glick and she actually trained me. And then that's another story. But so then when I got promoted to the outside sales, 
I was the only woman. Okay. And I've also been on management teams where I'm the only woman. So okay. I, the only, I mean, in college, I was on the sailing team. I was the only woman. I seem to be like the only woman, but that's how it was. Okay. So, uh, well, what was the, was that bad or was it good? Well, it was good and bad. So okay. the reason why it was good was because the guys that I worked with were awesome. I mean, they're okay. still my friends. It's 40 years and they're still my friends. I can call any of them at any time and they will be right there for me as I will be for them. But on the other side of it, they kind of got away with more stuff than I could get away with. Okay. And I found out that my peer who was hired at the same time I was, was being paid more than I was. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, sure. And we sat in cubicles right across from each other. So uh -huh. right around the time I found that out, I suddenly got pulled into my manager's office and was given a raise. Okay. So... They also kind of, I was the kind of salesperson where my numbers weren't the top numbers in like sales, you know, sales, right. close sales, but my revenue was higher. Oh, okay. Everybody got accolades for the number of, you know. Transactions. Exactly. Yep. But over time, you know, that kind of played itself out. And I, I always ended up, you know, ranking, you know, third in the region or whatever it was. Sure. Three, whatever. Because you got paid based on revenue, right? Well, yeah. To me, it's like, it's a no brainer. Why am yeah, I? Exactly. Who cares about that? I just yeah, yeah. bring in the money and then everybody's happy, you know? Sure, sure. I, I do have an interesting story and, and you had mentioned the Me Too movement to me a little bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and go there. I thought that was going to come later. Let's do it yeah, now. Come oh. later. I think this is important. <laughs> right. This is an important story. Sure. Go ahead. And if there's children in the room, they should leave. But um, my my initiation as a new female salesperson, okay. my friend, who's still my friend today, came over to me and said, who will remain unnamed, came over to hand me a piece of paper. And he goes, Deb, I have this lead for you. And there's a phone number on it. Call Cindy. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. It's so nice of you. Okay. Her, and if you can guess, it was a recording of Cindy talking about things she could do. Okay. And I hung up the phone and realized, of course, that was a pornography number. Uh huh. So that was my initiation. So what did I do? I'm like, Juan, you're so mean, whatever. And we all laughed it off. Right. Right. Now, what if that happened today? Well, they have today, somebody would be fired. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You know, you just, it's way different now. Well, I have, um, okay. Well, so does that mean like it's better today or does that mean it's worse? I mean, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to yeah, you don't know parse that. that. I'm just saying that the women, like myself that came up over these past decades. Sure. Had a lot of things happen to us that we didn't go to the microphone and have a press conference and, you know, do a lawsuit. Well, why not? It's here's the reason why. That's a good question. <coughs> we knew that if we did that, we probably would never work in that industry again. You would be blackballed. You you would you would be you would not get hired. It, it was don't make any waves. Right. Work really hard because what we were trying to do is we were trying to have a career. Okay. Okay. You can be, you know, you can be a secretary or you can be a nurse. Not that those are bad things. Because I was actually going to be a secretary and not go to college. I ended up going to college. Sure. Um, but you were trying to have a career and you were trying to be self-sufficient and independent and, you know, use your brain. And, you know, I worked really hard in college. I was a B student, you know, I worked three sure. jobs and I wanted to get somewhere and I wanted to do things and I wanted to travel and I wanted to accomplish things. Right. I wanted to buy my own house. So I wanted sure. to do all those things. So you, you chose, you explicitly chose career over kids, right? Yeah. So, or, you know, you were married though, right? Didn't you get married at some point? Or was that I, later? I was 42. Oh, wow. Okay. So you didn't I get married. 
married to, for eight years. So. so, so tell me, so tell me what that is like. In other words, you know, guys don't have to choose, right? Because when we get married, it's better for our careers. Way better. Right? Way better, right? So I remember hearing that from Walter Williams, like from the 70s, some recording he did, like, if you do the stats, you know, the guys get married, it's better for the career. Girl gets married, it's worse for their career. And it's not even a contest. I mean, it's not even, that's not, not even disputable. It's not disputable, right? So, yeah. but you chose, you chose um, career over over kids. Talk talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Well, you know, now when I think about it, I'll start out by talking about it this way. I, okay. I made that decision probably well in a much more informed way than most women at my age would have. And here's why. Okay. Uh, my father died when we were very young. My mm -hmm. mother, of course, was a widow. She was 38 years old. She had three little kids. I was okay. seven. By the time I was 11, I was doing laundry. I was cooking dinner. I was cleaning the house. Right. Part-time jobs. I did babysitting. I had to keep track of my brother and my sister. Uh, my sister was an absolute slob. I had to clean up our stuff. All the, I mean, so I was doing stuff already. So by the time I was 19, when I moved out of my house, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, you didn't want that domestic life. Really. Yeah, I was done. And then, you know, by the time I first started, when was when all these kind of articles were coming out where women were being told you can have it all, you can do it all. You can have it all. You can have it all. Do it no, all. No cost. Have, have your cake, eat yeah. it too, right? Oh, yeah. And I just do. I'm like, you can't. You cannot. It's not possible. Okay. I'm going to do a career then you have to do the career. You kind of have to do it like men do it. You have to dedicate yourself. You sure. But why is it, why is it that, I mean, I have some ideas, but why is it that men can, can get married and have kids and have a career and girls can't? Why is that? Because girls have the babies. It's really quite simple. Well, yeah, you're, it's just simple math, hours and time. And yeah, they have to have the babies. They have to do the breastfeeding. They have to do the nurturing. And, we are dictated you know. by our biology. And quite frankly, sure. by the time 1995 came around, 92, around there, women started dropping out because they wouldn't have kids. So they started dropping out. Well, that's when breastfeeding came back, too. Like what when I was a kid, when I was a kid, breastfeeding wasn't really that big of a deal. No, no one cared. No. Like all my sisters, I don't remember me, of course, but my younger sisters, they were all bottle fed and no one had the conversation about, well, breastfeeding is better for you or whatever. Well, that happened later. Well, here's so the, it came back. the women that wanted to do that were in the ladies room, you know, using a pump and bringing it home. Sorry. That's right. I okay. That. But the truth is, I mean, let's, I just want to be, I mean, it won't last long because I, I mean, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, but I want to devil's advocate this just for a second. Yeah. You you can have it all if you hire somebody to do all the things that you would normally do. Like I I know plenty of people who have nannies and and maids and you know everything short of a butler. I mean I mean they don't live in usually, um, but some of them do. I, I know people who have nannies that you know live in for a while, but they're like you know but. What's funny is that the people that I see doing the nanny things are not the career moms. They're actually just very rich moms, right? Correct. So, so why is it that we can't, um, if you got two incomes, if your husband is making good money, you're making good money, you know, why not just pay somebody to do, you know, all the housework and all that kind of fun stuff. I mean, you can afford it with two incomes. Well, that's right? a really good question. And, you know, I, I just want to say, I'm not like in judgment of women that do this. That's a, I appreciate that distinction. I really do because I'm not, I, I don't, I don't think yeah. that, that women, you know, have to, you know, make a choice or they're idiots or whatever. I just think it's interesting yeah. that someone did make that binary choice. Yes. Um, there's plenty of very successful career women who have, who are good mothers, but disclaimer, 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 yeah. we're put it in text across yeah. the bottom. But the point is that when someone tells me they made that choice, I want to know why and what the, you know, so that's. Yeah. Well, again, it, it might have something to do with my own personal story. I mean, my mother sure. all the time. She was never home, you know? So I grew up kind of like trying to do everything. My mother wasn't home. She was working. So I know what right. that felt like. 
And that's just not something I want. If I was going to have kids and I wanted to dedicate my time to them, I what I didn't want to say bye bye, you know, and hand them off to someone else. I don't know what that other person's teaching them. I don't know what that other person's saying to them. I, I'm not seeing what's happening to them on a daily basis. Uh, and usually, you know, just knowing from, from my work experience, when I get home, I'm spent. I, I have nothing left. I had nothing left. I mean, right. Okay. So, all right. So back to the question though, if you can hire somebody to do all the housework and, and take care of the things and make sure they're fed and et cetera, et cetera. Look, <laughs> I mean, pardon me. <clears throat> so the, when I think of that, though, I think of royalty. I think of the crown, or I think of um, not the crown, but uh, Downton Abbey, right? Yeah. Where these, you know, very—they don't work. Work is not the reason. It's because right. they have the money, right? That's that's where that's where I think it gets a little weird. Is that, and I'm just parsing through it with you, um, yeah. is that it's not the need to take care, have the kids taken care of because you're off at work that drives people to hire people to take care of the things that need to be taken care of. It's actually having the resources that drives it, which is sort of backwards. In other words, backwards. if you, so you're just throwing money at it, at a job that I think is your job. Okay. So you, you, you think that it's, I mean, I guess it's kind of intuitive to many, although it may not be obvious to all that the best person to take care of kids is their mother. But where does that, where does that stop? What? As far do, do, you, do you know what I mean? I mean, uh, then why well, not? Let me give you a reference. Let me give you a reference. So okay. of the women that stayed in the workforce that I continued to work with, one of them that I reported to came into my office to have a conversation. She had just had a baby. The baby was six weeks old. She had just come back from maternity leave. Sure. And in the same conversation, she was telling me about the big house they just bought and the Mercedes they just bought and the fur coat they just bought. And then she's taking her baby to daycare. I just can't do that. I'll yeah, take we, a six-week-year-old baby, a six-week-old baby, and drop them off for eight hours sure. with someone else. It's just not something I felt that I personally could do. Well, we did it. Uh, we did it. Now, it was a home-based daycare, and it was very loving and caring. We didn't, like, just... But but what but we also decided to homeschool. That's so different. we just we just kind of went back. I have friends who you know um who kept the babies with them at work all the way through, you know, until they were in first grade, kindergarten or first grade or whatever, and then dumped. We we did the opposite. We but there's a reason for this. Okay. I, I'm the one that's doing it. Right. My, my, my wife is the career person who has a, who has a, you know, like a steady salary and, and, you know, she's the breadwinner, if you will. Right. So um, I was always the one taking care of the logistics and the kids and the house and everything else. Yeah. And so the younger kids, guys aren't, we're not built for it. Like we don't, we're not, we're not built for it. And so the reason why we went in the opposite direction. So what we did was we put him in preschool uh, in, in a daycare, homeless daycare for the first three years. And then he was in Montessori till first, second grade. And then I started educating him because once he can read and do math, you know, I can educate anybody. Right. So that's kind of because I'm a guy and it's that, that, that first, that nur that small nurturing sort of, is what we're the least effective at, right? And so uh, useless, I would say, right? So, uh, I mean, seriously, I mean, I mean, like, how many preschool guy teachers do you know? Well, I, I always joke, like, I told this joke to my mother the other day. I'm like, you know, when God made Adam and sat back and took a look and said, hmm, yeah, I'm gonna make it. I think I need to. He's not gonna make it. He won't make it. He can't even get to the, you know, get to his front door with a cup of coffee without. So um, I'm sure Adam. Me. I mean, I love men. I think they're fantastic, and I love working. With no, them. but we're useless. This is this is where this is where I think I'll just lay it out there, and you tell me if I'm going crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So I um, am a part of the role reversal world, right? Yeah, and that I mean, happened maybe like 20 years ago, actually. 
Well, yeah, but it's still rare to find a homeschool dad. Rarer now than it was, I think, like a lot of women uh, that stayed in the workforce that actually took executive positions. They're going back. Listen, stayed home. And I'm talking about women now that are, that I personally were clients of mine maybe five years ago that their their husbands stayed at home because they were like executives at AT&T or, you know, just the, econo the economics of it just was the way it was. Well, yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. I believe, I believe that women can do, I mean, unless we're, you know, unless we're cutting down trees or, or dragging heavy objects or digging, you know, I mean, unless it's physical labor that requires more upper body strength or endurance or whatever the hell our advantages are, anything that's not that, like in an office on Zoom, and with, it, women can do all those things. There's nothing you can't do. I don't see any logical reason why women can't do most of the things that men do. Now, there are some jobs that men are going to be more statistically proficient at, because, again, because biology, right? But for the most part, the management and the people and the money and the whatever, I mean, most of that women can do. But you know what men can't do? All the things you do in the house, right? We can't. We're not. So I think I, what I want you, what I want to, you, to help me help walk me through is, is, was it worth it? There's two, there's two questions, right? One is, was it worth it for women to be, you know, pushed into, you know, the work world when, you know, there was another opportunity, there was, there was another option, right? There was the, the classical traditional option or whatever that, that question might be easily answered with absolutely. Right. I mean, I, you know, I think oh, women yeah. have benefited greatly from it. So, but the question is, was it worth it for society as a whole for men to take on roles that they were just, were just completely inept and incapable of doing? Like, because that's the, that's the problem. It's not that women, it's not that women can't do what men can do. It's that men literally cannot do the many of the things that women can do. And that's so that it's not it's not about it's not about women being incapable. It's about men being incapable. And then what is the cost of men running households? I can tell you what the cost is in my household. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's 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 not it's not, you know, I mean, there's challenges. I mean, it's hard. What, what Which parts do you find hard? Um, just maintaining it all, the multitasking. I'm not, we're well, not, that, we're that not you to a point, and this is yeah. what I'll say is that I had a friend tell me a long time ago, <clears throat> women are blenders. We can do a lot of things all at the same time. Right. Whereas men are like, if you were to sit at a desk, a man can only pull out one drawer at a time. Oh, yeah. Pull out all the drawers and have papers all over the top and know exactly where everything is. I can't read and eat a bowl of cereal at the same time. What are you kidding me? I mean, it's insane. So, and I'm I'm generalizing, right? I mean, I know. Look, it's a bell curve. Everything's a bell uh, curve. Here, let me let me. There are men out there. There are men out there that are better than your average woman at doing things in the household, right? And. And there are women out there that are better than your average man at doing the things that men are supposed to be better at. But statistically, overall, you know, a higher percentage of households that are even that are either run by men or managed by men, or in most cases, run by someone else who's been hired to run it, like a maid or cook or you know whatever you know whatever it is that the people, as I was describing earlier, that we hire to fill those gaps because the women are out making tons of money. So. What is what is the implication of that? What does it mean long term for women to either outsource or leave to their husbands? I don't know which one of those is worse. Uh, managing the household. I would right? not leave it to my husband to manage a household. No, but let's flip the question just a little bit. So you would have you would have hired somebody out because he was not. It wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked. No, I would have sent him to work. Go make money. Okay. Make money. If I'm going to make money, you're going to make money. No, here's the thing. Well, why, do, why does that only something okay. very controversial? And I might people might hate me, but here's what I'll say. Well, if I haven't pissed people off yet in this conversation, then I think you're going to be fine. Yeah, go ahead. If I were to choose between working 
for a man or working for a woman? Oh, that's easy. 10 out of 10 times I'd work for a man. Of course. 10 out of we're, 10. We're a lot easier to, to read so and deal with. Easier. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I've never heard, I've never heard a, a working professional successful woman tell me they would rather work for a woman than a man. I've never heard it. They're like either going to compete with me. <clears throat> they're going to try and clip my wings. Cause do you think, jealous. yes, I'm familiar with all that. They're do you think that's residual though? Do you think it's real? They changed like from one day to the next. I don't. Yeah. But do you think it's this and now, no. but do you think it's residual? Do you think it's because they had to work their way up in a man's world and now it's not, as bad and so the next generation may not have that chip on their shoulder and they may not be as vindictive or are women just naturally evil they uh and, no. and no, i just don't think they're just hey. you're making the case that i don't think men are built for the household there are certain things that women are not built for in the work world oh come on like what name two things well let me think. <laughs> I'm just not buying it. In the it well, look. If no, it was farm, if we were still better. farming and working in factories, I would agree with you. But in the service economy, I think those those things Here's are what limited. I tell you, these are more intangible things. Okay, go ahead. Men are much better at letting things roll off their backs. Oh, sure. Much better at just playing the game and knowing that it's a game. Right. You're okay. Not taking it all personally. And they don't take things personally, whereas women do, including myself many, many times. I wish I could relate to that with the uh, experience I've had as an educator with a group of mostly boys versus a group of mostly girls. Mm -hmm. um, that's been enlightening, to say the least. Um, I mean, because it is it is different. I, I have a great question for you that uh, at least a couple of our listeners will appreciate. Um, have you read Lord of the Flies? No, but I, I kind of know the story. Okay. Of. Well, they did a movie back in the mid nineties, maybe, and um, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't quite the book. the The kids were American instead of British. There was a military school, and it kind of changed a lot of it. But uh, but it's a it, you know, War of the Flies is nothing but boys, right? Right. And of course, things go south because they're very hierarchical, and somebody has to be in charge, and you know, and eventually there's you know there's a battle, and bad things happen. So the question is, if it was an island full of girls, would it be better or worse? Oh my God. <laughs> it would be my worst nightmare. It would be the worst, right? That's that's I keep hearing that from girls. I don't think so, but I I I keep hearing girls tell me that they think it would be even worse if it was nothing but girls. No, it just really depends on the girls themselves. I mean, there's mean girls. Well, sure, it depends on the girls, but if you have a group of 50 girls then you're, you're, you're operating under the assumption you're going to have all of it. You're going to have mean girls, you're going to have nice girls, and you're going to have everything in between. That's what happens with the boys, too. But the question is, are they going to be more cooperative overall? I think men are much better at figuring out what everybody's strengths are, and then they kind of divide it up, and then they respect the other can do that, and they can do this. I think they're much better at that. And because they play sports – they understand the team concept. Well, girls play sports too, right? Not as not when I was not as many as when I was coming. Okay, up. but now they do. There was this whole book about how you know men are better in the workforce because they've played sports more than women. Yeah, it may have been it may have been a factor. I'll take it. Whereas women are more just you know women have been competing for men for millennial. Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. So that's in our DNA. Uh, I hate to admit, I mean, I've never competed for a man. So, oh, no, 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 I mean, not present company accepted, of course. I can do the right thing and see what happens, but anyway, that's a different subject. Um, so I, I just, um, you know, men are just so much better at assessing the landscape and figuring out how to operate in it. Whereas, do you think, um, do you think that men are more decisive than women? Yes. I mean, not you, but I'm just saying statistically, st st statistically. So seriously, I mean, to me, I think that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a factor of, Peterson would call it a factor of aggression, right? You know, Jordan Peterson. So 
you know, if you look at the most aggressive people, right? I mean, I know some pretty aggressive, assertive, we'll say assertive, aggressive, confident, just, you know, what all, all that entails. It doesn't mean physically aggressive. It means overall sort of, you know, willing to push and, you know, whatever, yeah. which has, which has implications for decisiveness. Yes. One, one could argue, but <laughs> pardon me. So it's true that there are many women, maybe including yourself, that are more aggressive, assertive, confident than your average guy, right? But if you have a million people and you find the 100 most assertive, aggressive people, they're all going to be guys, right? I mean, that's that's just the, that's just the math, right? That's just the way it is. And the same thing goes with nurturing and caring and and you know comforting the, those qualities. Women are going to have that in you know, and you find the hundred most nurturing people, then they're, they're all going to be women. Right. And that's just the way it is. So do you think we just have created a workforce in which the assertive, aggressive, confident type is just going to be more successful overall over a long period of time? And thus, therefore men are going to, you know, men are still going to be more competitive or, is it the other way around that, you know, because men dominate it, uh, that's the way it is. And as soon as they don't dominate it, it'll be more nurturing and comforting and caring and whatever. Do you understand the question? Yes, I do. And and I will kind of parse it off a couple ways. One, okay, great. We have to look at how people are wired. Okay. Their creator. Sure. Men are wired for certain things. Women are wired for certain things. And then... Everyone is a human being after that. Okay. okay well, so I would put the human being first. I would too, as I think. <laughs> right. well, sure, but go ahead. But, but I'm just saying uh, uh, that we're all wired for certain things. Sure. After that, it's what our strengths and weaknesses are. It's what our skills and gifts are. It's what our you know personality bents are. I mean, Okay, so I'm a woman, but if I'm in Target and there's a bunch of crying kids in there, I'm out of there. I can't take it. You don't want to help. You don't want to like, oh, know. Dude, what's know. wrong right now? Well, I've tried that, and I've gotten dissed by, by men, by the husband. Well, of course, right. Yeah. Do you have children? No, but I've taken care of children, and this kid's been crying for half an hour. Maybe there's something wrong. Maybe there's something you should do. Just just. Pushing the kid in the car, the kids, the girl, little girls, her face is red. And oh my gosh! Her head off, and he's looking at DVDs. I mean, I don't get it, but there you go. Maybe that. Yeah, we don't. We don't care because we're men. No. Yeah, we. Well, uh, my the most popular. I've known, I've known some men that are extremely nurturing. Well, sure, that's most what I'm saying. Are extremely. We all know. We all know men that are more nurturing than your average woman. But what I'm saying is, is that your most nurturing people are all women. That's just, I'm just, it's a bell curve. That's what I'm saying. It's the bell yeah. curve. Yeah. So by the same token in the workforce, uh, we've created a workforce that where the people who are most successful are very often the ones that are the most assertive and aggressive and, and confident yeah. and make decisions, et cetera. That's who the people who end up making decisions are the ones that are capable of making decisions. That's, that's kind of the so way that it works. Unfortunately, right? now we call those people narcissists. So I, I'm getting very confused. Yeah, you can't you can't win, right? Well, I mean, yeah. the whole male archetype is being crushed. Completely you know, daily, crushed. Right? It's a huge mistake. Huge. I mean, but but if you ask a woman what she's looking for in a man, the male archetype is precisely what she's looking for. Of course. I mean, it, it because so and that hasn't changed ever. And like you said it's been that way for millennia and it's unlikely to change anytime soon. No, I mean, I had a friend when I was young and she said, she got married. She was married. She's been married now for 30 years. And she's like, look, you just need to find a man that knows how to find shelter, food and build a fire. <laughs> well, this is why, but this is why, I mean, okay. So parsing again, we'll get back to that topic. Cause I still want to hear more about what the work, I mean, I, I've, I have friends and I've read from, you know, people in the feminist ilk that believe that, you know, men aren't happy in the workforce either. So why would we join them there? Right. And so that's, you know, that's the kind of a question worth answering, but I think, um, mm -hmm. yeah, but I, well, actually let's stay on that. Cause I forgot my previous thought. So do, do you think the workforce needs to change 
in order to be more accommodated or or rather do you think that more women in the workforce and there are categories of the workforce that used to be dominated by men are now dominated by women yes. right so like name three veterinarians you know that are under 40 that aren't women i mean most veterinary school graduates are women when i was a kid it was dominated by men now it's women pharmacists dominated by women it used to be dominated by men um so but there's but there's reasons for that there's reasons for that right it's because those are nurturing sort of taking care of animals and medicine and health and humans and whatever plus add to the fact that most college graduates are women now right just in general yeah, but right? i think there's a huge economic and cultural reason for that go ahead that is that you know women don't expect to marry a man and have the man support them that seems to be not an expectation anymore. And men don't expect women to go to work. It's not, you know, it's not mad men anymore. It's I'm talking about the series, not. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Well, so I mean, go ahead. But it's not that anymore. I mean, women fully expect to have to work and support themselves. And. But why, why are the, why are they dominating these fields though? Um, I don't have an answer to that. Because they can, because they're interested. Well, what, yeah, but why are the because why are women, women doing better in being educated, being educated for careers, and that's those are careers that they've chosen. Um, in the technology sector, uh, I think there's been a big flip. I think women women uh, women are traditionally in marketing. Mm -hmm. Some are in sales. Sure. Um, and most of the leadership positions are held by men. No. Yeah, I mean, you remember the James Damore thing a couple of years ago with Google, where um, he put out a memo saying if we wanted to, if we want to attract women to uh, technology, we need to do this a different way because women are geared a certain way and they're not geared for this and that. And of course, he was dismissed as a you know as a as a misogynist you know, a-hole was dismissed by Google. But if you read the thing, notwithstanding there were a couple of like, you know, um, there were a couple of rather, you know, uh, uh, not flattering to the female species comments interspersed, but 95% of it was, look, if we want to actually attract women to Google, we need to stop pretending that women are going to be exactly like men when it comes to these sort of characteristics of people who do high level engineering, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we need to make it, we need to make it more open to people with different skill sets, right? That's that. So that's kind of, that's kind of what, and the truth is the people who are most successful in leadership positions are not always the techies. I mean, Steve Jobs was nothing without Steve Wachowski or whatever his name is, True. right? So is that his name? What was his name? Steve something, uh, uh, the, uh, the other guy. I just can't remember his last name. The other guy, he was the genius. Steve Jobs was just a really good sales guy, right? Mm -hmm. So he didn't have some, some crazy engineering genius mind. He just had, he was a visionary. He saw, you know, and so, you know, women can do that too, right? I mean, there's no, there's no reason why uh, they can't. It's really hard for them to command the authority that like a Steve Jobs. But again, is that a cultural thing or is that a biological thing? Are we, is that just because they haven't yet or is it because? I think it's both. I, I, it's okay. both. I really well, do. I mean, I came up as we've talked about, I came up when women were barely work, barely coming up in the, and I had to, I had worked twice as hard to get. You thought of as half as good, right? Yeah. There you go. That's yeah, right. That's the one. Yeah, and, yeah. No, I'm familiar with the concept. No, I get it. Yeah. And now um, we haven't really gotten that far. We're, look. How do you say that? Of course you have. We have, but not to the extent that men, I'm talking about really high level CEOs. Right. But look at, look at law firms. Entrepreneur com companies that have been started by women that really get huge. Sure. Because here it is on the micro level. And this is what I tell young women. And this is kind of my passion. It's talking to young people about their decisions and how they're going to move forward. Is Right. What I discovered was as the only woman on an all-male sales team. Right. That I will never, ever 
ever, ever, ever be part of the boy's dynamic. Because when you introduce a woman to a group of men, the dynamics change. Oh, Just of course it does. You introduce a man to a group of women, the dynamics change. But so, like, aren't the that? What's that? Aren't the dynamics typically positive? I mean, I always had the line. I have very little office experience, but no, but because my experience was that a that a room full of men is really boring. And, room about, and women want to talk about what women want to talk about, and you don't really talk about certain things in front of the other sex for well, some reason. Well, because well, true, you're you know, your pals. For example, so this is going way back, 1992. I don't remember. Kind of okay. I'm 34. I'm at the top of my game. Okay, I'm right, at the right. highest sales level I could possibly be. Okay. I passed six figures a long time. You know, I passed the first set of first six figures, whatever. Mm -hmm. and the rest of the team, including my manager, who I love to this day, Rick, I love him still. Jim, love him still. Mike, love him still. I'm working at my desk, working at my desk. That's when we had offices back then. Sure, everybody had an office, right? I lift up my head. Nobody's around. Nobody's in their office. It's, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. I go to the secretary, who's a woman back then. By the way, we've, we've, we've eliminated secretaries, which I think was a bad idea, but that's another subject. Anyway, I go to the secretary and I go, where is everybody? Oh, they're playing golf. They're playing golf. First of all, how come I didn't know? How come I not, didn't get involved? Because you're a girl. That's why. Yeah, that's a girl. Not because they don't like me, not because they don't love me, not because I'm not, you know, smart or whatever. And they don't want to they don't want to have me around because I'm a girl. They want to go off with the guys and play golf. Come on. They want to talk, they want to tell dirty jokes and talk about, you know, sports and yeah, whatever, you know. I get that. I get that. But did I take it personally? Did I go back to my office and cry? Did well, I call my attorney because I wasn't they weren't inclusive. Well, today, today you would have bitched on Twitter, right? Oh, About right. absolutely. That's right. That would have been your your only real do, you know, possible whatever. thing to do would be to bitch about the boys' club on Twitter. Right? Look to me, I'm just like you know, find your way, do the best you can do every day of your life, use mm -hmm. your gifts and talents, and be happy. Yeah, but I mean, men aren't content with that. Why would I mean? If the same thing happened to us, we'd raise all kinds of holy hell. Actually, no, we wouldn't. What? I don't know. Would we? Like, if we were to, I'm just trying to reverse it. Like, if I was in an office full of women, right, and I I was at my desk, and uh, and I looked up, and all the women were off doing. We went off they, to a winery, and we're going to go to a winery or like a like a. A, a spa or something a spa no, that's that's not, an, that's, that's it a spa. Okay. It's, it's a spa okay right. i was gonna say so i wanted to come up with something we are. right i wanted to say something really like like Go maybe right like a knit like a knitting competition or something you know something like that but no i think a spa is is the proper is the proper parallel so everybody went to the spa and they didn't invite me yeah i'm trying to think what how what my first reaction would be what would be your reaction my reaction would be, man, it is so quiet around here. I'm probably going to get a lot done today. There you go. Right? That would be my reaction. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't be offended that I didn't get it invited to a spa because I have no interest well, in going to a spa. But now we live in the land of offense. <clears throat> All right. So let's uh, – we have a limited amount of time left. So I want to get into um, everybody's favorite topic. And that is, as always, in all podcasts, everybody's favorite topic is sex. Okay. So now I don't want to talk about sex per se. That seems a little risque, but I do want to talk about what it means for women to be in the workforce in terms of relations between the sexes. And, but I want to start before the me too movement. Cause I, cause that, that gets into a really visceral sort of, I mean, there's some real problems that it was addressing, but I want to back it up a step mm -hmm. to, you know, from your point of view, what is the proper way for women to, to address, you know, um, the concept of sexual attraction and all that in the workplace? What is, what is your take on that? Well, I had my way of dealing with it. And I'll tell you about that first. Okay, good. 
So <laughs> I did not do that. Um, did, didn't I, do what? I did not get involved with people that I worked with. Okay. Well, that's kind of the next step, right? I mean, the, the first step is the attraction part and how you deal with, I mean, sure, you, you did not choose to get involved and you did not accept involvement. But what I'm talking about is what is the nature of the workplace in terms of how men see women as attractive, you know, opposite sex or whatever in the workplace? What does that mean to you? You mentioned earlier before we got on, uh, before we started recording about how women dress and how they present themselves. And so I just want to get your opinion on that. I'm not going to tell you mine because I don't have any. Well, I think, I think that that, you know, this goes back to some traditional things that have now been, you know, not talked about anymore. Sure. Okay. I'll tell you. Those are the kinds of things we like on this podcast. Okay, great. So as little as a few years ago, my best friend's brother said to her, you know, with all these women in the office, he goes, it's really hard to work because all you do is think about whether you want to have sex with them or not. <laughs> How old was this guy? He was in his 30s, early 40s. It doesn't matter. I'm just asking for the heck of it. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's always going to be the case. Now, on the female side of it, you are the one that holds those boundaries. And you are the one that dictates how far that man can go or not go, what they, what you will tolerate, how they can speak in front of you, how they can interact with sure. you. I mean, I've had sure. bosses try and hold my hand. I've had bosses drop the F-bomb in an interview, you know. And, and so I, the way I dealt with that was just they just knew eventually that you, you can't say that word in front of Debbie. So I don't say that word in front of Debbie anymore. But. Sure. You know, I didn't dress provocatively. Um, okay. What does that What does that mean to dress provocatively? Because that's gonna that's gonna hack off like you know ten percent of my listeners just right there, right? So, what does it mean to dress provocatively? Um, you're wearing a knit dress that hugs every single part of your body to the point where you can actually see undergarments. Right. 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 And, and that and that's bad. Why is that bad? Or why why can't you be proud of your figure? Well, because it's just not to me. There's a sense of, of decorum. Okay. We talk about anymore. There's a sense of professionalism. There's a sense of establishing an authority. Okay. I mean, you know, guys don't come into work in their gym in their like baggy, saggy house house shorts. Why are you wearing something that's going to, you know, call unnecessary attention to yourself? That's not the kind of attention that you're looking for. Well, I mean, okay, but why would somebody wear it if they're if they're not? Let's just assume for a second that someone is a woman. They dress very alluringly, if you will, mm -hmm. and maybe they're just alluring, and it doesn't matter what they wear, and they can't help it, right? I mean, I, you know, but but they dress in a way that's provocative or whatever, however you would describe it. Uh, what if they don't feel like they should get sexual attention and they should just be able to express themselves how they want and look great. And if a guy comes in with a really sharp suit, he's got a nice, he's obviously well built in good shape and he's attractive. He's got a really nice suit on. Yeah. That's not, that's not distracting to women. They don't find no. that. They don't get all. No, because you know, his body's covered. I mean. I'm yeah, but about. women, but women are. Okay. Go, keep going. I think that some women are a little unaware and then other women are not aware, but they don't care because they think that they are expressing themselves. Okay. I, I think this whole expressing yourself has gotten a little out of hand. What are they not aware of? that they're wearing too tight of a dress and that everybody can see their bra and their undergarments right through the dress and that they think that no one's going to be preoccupied by that. Okay. Well, are you preoccupied that by that? If you I was, that? yes. Okay. I couldn't All stop right. looking at her because I'm thinking <laughs> if I can see that, then everybody else can see that. But aren't you more concerned about men being preoccupied than women being preoccupied? I'm, I'm concerned about the um, 
impression and the uh, respect for women. That's oh, okay. Okay. I get you. Well, yours, your position is a little more prudish than mine. Yes, right, it is. To be honest. Yeah. No, which is great. And, and I'm not saying great. that in a, I'm not saying I that in a bad way. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I was not treated or approached or, you know, kind of taken advantage of the way I know that some women have been. Well, my take is a little simpler and it's more biological. And that is that men process the visual differently than women do. They do. Like, and it's not even, it's an order of magnitude. It is an order of magnitude. When we see, uh, we see a girl that is dressed provocatively, or it doesn't have to be overly provocative, but if there's something about them that we find alluring, that is a major, like, arousal thing right and so right. um but what does that mean for attractive well, women well, let me ask you a question then but what is that you see that kind of that woman the way she's dressed are you more interested in looking at her and being attracted to her or are you more interested in asking her you know questions smart intelligent having more questions <laughs> her and what she thinks and what her professional authority and thoughts are or are you just like looking at her because she's gorgeous. I mean, well, like I, it is not, I, I explained this to my son the other day. Um, I tried to, to give him a little perspective. Like, so we walked into this coffee shop and, and there was this, and she wasn't dressed provocatively, right? She wasn't, but she was an extremely attractive young lady, right? Mm -hmm. Sitting by herself on her phone or her laptop or whatever. Just, I mean, model type gorgeous, right? So and this leads me to the next question, which is important. So I was sitting, we were sitting far enough away where I could at least talk to him and her and not hear me. But what the first thing I said was, okay, here's what you got to understand. She knows that we're talking about her, right? Not only does she know that we're talking about her, she knows that we are making every effort in our body. Like we have to use all of our energies not to look at her. Not to look at her. Exactly. Right? I mean, it takes, right there. Look, I'm a happily married man. Right. Okay. So listen, I, women are beautiful creatures. It, they oh. are, and they are. And I, I'm telling you, Debbie, um, uh, what I told my son was, I, I just want you to imagine for a second that you're her, and everywhere you go men are just trying not to look at her right and and they're probably if they do have a conversation with them most men and this is this is biological in my opinion men having a conversation with her will have trouble actually listening to the words coming out of her mouth that's exactly what i just okay said. so what what does that mean if someone is like i i heard a podcast the other day i can't remember who it was he's one of those Old school uh, National Review guys, I think. I can't remember his name. Jay something. He was talking about how there are women out there like that we see on television and in movies that are like really striking. Like when they, they come into it. I think the, one of the examples he used was Kathy Ireland. Kathy Ireland walks into a room. Everybody just, the whole place just, oh, and you just, they you can't. You know, and she knows it, but she can't do anything about it, you know, wow. other than other than make money at it, which is a perfectly rational thing to do. Go for it. But my but my question is, if someone has no some people have no control over that, some people are just really, really, really attractive. So what does that mean for an attractive girl who it doesn't matter what she's wearing? A man is going to be astounded and not able to focus. Right. So. Which means that I'm just, I want you to stop me if I go crazy, which means that girls that are in that position, they have to actually try to like, if they really want to be taken seriously to use your, your terminology, they have to downplay it. They have to wear less makeup. They have to, you well, know, what, 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 what is that? What does that mean? You're going with this. And what I did was, I mean, I think I'm a relatively attractive. You are. Okay. Those who are watching on video know that. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. So I made it a point to dress in a way that was still attractive. Right. But that wasn't the primary, primary um, first impression 
or goal or desire to sure. be provocative. Well, I mean, what I was trying to do was be a an attractive, classy, intelligent person that happens to be an attractive female. Right. Attractive. To be to be fair to my male brethren here, and I want to just backtrack a little bit. I do think that once you start a conversation with someone, and once you know them as a human being and not this, you know, vision or whatever, then then I think men are capable of, you know, turning it off and, and having a conversation. I'm just, well, it's the initial, it's so the initial thing that I, so I wonder if that's a disadvantage to, to attractive women, but then look at the other side of it. And the other side of it is that attractive women have opportunities open for them that unattractive women don't for all the obvious reasons. Right. In other words, which, which is harder, Right? Is it harder being unattractive, or is it harder being attractive as a woman in the workplace? Well, I would think, for to your point, attractive women would probably have more opportunity as salespeople, which at one time. Well, as salespeople, that's no doubt because they're selling to men very often, and that's Correct. women. Look, I sold. I've been in sales my whole life. I've trained salespeople just like you. Mm -hmm. Women make better salespeople. Like in, in every way imaginable, they're more intuitive, they're Absolutely. more emotionally intelligent, they're Correct. all those things. Yeah. So, yeah. And plus, if you're selling to men, which in many cases, the big bosses are the men, that's still kind of the case, then, you know, then there's no, no, no like attractive a, women are going to do better. If right? you're a doctor or a surgeon, nobody's going to care. You just better know what you're doing. Well, that's why pharmaceutical sales has been dominated by attractive women. For I was going to mention that. Yeah, yeah. So, so in a really practical way of talking about this, okay. So, for example, I used to wear the dresses that were above the knee, and they were very body conscious knit dresses. Okay. I could have just worn the dress, but instead, I put a jacket over it. Sure, 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 sure. Very simple. That's right. What I'm That's about. Sense. Instead of wearing a skin tight dress and right. skin tight dress. You can have it above the knee. Sure. You have it short. But I think a lot of, I think. A lot that way you're, you're, you still have some kind of, you know, female dressing. Sure, 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 sure. Fashionable or whatever it is, but you know, put, put a jacket on it. You don't have to like. Yeah. But I think a lot of, I think a lot of women would listen to this and say, how dare you? Like, in well, other words, why, why would you, you know, why do we have to adjust? Well, I feel, I feel good dressing you know, dressing provocatively, whatever. And that's what matters. It makes me feel good. I, they, So what, what the issue is, is the problem is men, right? I mean, to flip it, it's not their problem. It's not the women that are the problem. It's, it's us that are the problem, right? You know, so how I, do you address that? I, I, just, I just have a completely different point of view. I don't think it's men that have the problem. I think that men are wired that way and women just need to know that they're wired that way. Why are we all so offended by how, men are wired and how women are wired. That's just what it is. And I come from experience over three decades of trying to overcome this male female thing in the workplace of trying sure. to work and not have men hit on me all the time, including clients. Sure. Okay. So I fought that battle. So right. I'm from experience. I had to deal with that. And right. that's what we do as women is we dress provocatively, men hit on us, and then we like, oh, me too. Oh, I'm offended. Oh, these men oh, are me, they're, they're narcissists, they're all these things. How much how much of the Me Too movement do you think? Because I think, you know, there are some predators out there, right? There are some men who took advantage of their position and power and uh and you know, um so I, I think there's a place for it, but I think obviously it, it well, might a little too. Like I said, I women women, yes, can be very vulnerable. Okay, so sure. strong women working around powerful men, but at the same time, and I'm going to say something. <laughs> Are you going to say something else controversial? I got to mark the time so I can edit it out. If Monica I need really need to be under the desk. No. Well, I mean, no, no, she did not have to. Take that position. That was her choice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Uh, I like what you did there with the position. That's good. Um, I will say that 
All right. So I remember in the 90s fairly clearly, it wasn't that long ago for me or you or anyone over the age of 40. Yeah. That I remember that it didn't matter whether he was getting a, you know, uh, uh, serviced under the desk as long as he was doing good policy or whatever. Right. right. What, happened? what happened to that? Her life was completely destroyed. Of course it was. Of course it was. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Men but no, but I was told, up. I was told that it didn't matter. What didn't you know, matter? That Bill Clinton's sexual escapades didn't matter. Yeah. In the 90s, that was a truism. It matter with JFK. Right. It do doesn't matter with all these other guys. They just keep on keeping on. We've had some pretty good, like, on that front, you know, um, our last three presidents have been have not been, you know, um, womanizers. So that's that's cool. I mean, Donald Trump was, but I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure we would know if he had extramarital affairs uh, while he was, while he was president. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, women just need to know what men are prone to and adjust accordingly. Just as men should probably understand things about women and adjust accordingly as human beings. Well, let's, let's end with that. Let's start. Let's, let's talk about the things that men need to be attuned to, to make a better, you know, to make a better workforce. Because the other is, is I think, I think sort of obvious, right? Um, but what's, but that's because I'm a dude, because I know, right? Mm -hmm. But what is, what is the flip side of that? What do men need to be aware of? Right. In other words, if we're going to have a blended workforce, what is the, what is the, Actually, what you can do is you can uh, you can establish a rule, right? Because all of our guests have to come up with a rule. So, what is the rule for the workplace that makes it most accommodating for women, or something, or for the world, if you want? Well, I think that we'll start with the human being factor, and that everyone has strengths and weaknesses, and everyone have gifts and talents, and you just build a team, whether male or female, right? That have the right strengths and gifts and team synergies and those types of things. I mean, sure. let's just look at everybody as having talent and what talent are you looking for and what talent works. And at the same time though, you do have to pay attention to team synergy. Does this, sure. is this person work well with others? Does this person work well with this kind of personality? Now we've got all these personality tests that everybody takes. That's right. They're applying for a job, which sure. I'm not quite sure if that's good or bad. I think you have to put people face to face and see how they interact before you take a freaking test. I mean, that doesn't do anything. Yeah, um, it's almost as effective as you know knowing their astrological sign. Yeah, <laughs> people in a room like we're we're just done. We're just completely eliminating real human interaction. Sure. Where people don't even know how to act or what to say or have any type of knowledge of etiquette or manners or anything. I mean, it really bugs me. Right. So what's the uh, so what's the rule? What's the what's the executive summary, if you will, of how we need to treat this issue? How would you put it most concisely? Well, why don't we just go to the best rule of all, which is the golden rule? Okay. Which is to treat others as you would treat yourself. Yeah, but men don't want to be treated like women want to be treated, right? Well, women want to be treated respectfully as a human being that has value, don't they? Well, sure. Okay. So is it is it a is it a treat people like human beings first and women second or or whatever their gender is second? People like human beings first and treat them as you would like to be treated. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh and we're kind of cribbing from Heather Hyen, but I don't know if you know who Heather Hyen is. She's got a, um, her Twitter profile says something along the lines as, "Come to me as a human being first, an individual second, and third. You can go tribal, but you never better know how the population statistics work or something like that, because that's what she does. She's like a, you know, evolutionary biology or whatever, and um, and so, uh, but that's that I've been using that a lot. You know, come to me as human being first an individual second and then we can talk about you know categories and groups and and uh tendencies and things like that you know and, so, and i think that now that we're talking about it it's, it's what's happening is that it's harder and harder to use that rule because now 
we've got to talk about people in terms of whether they're misogynists. Or they come to their group first. Yep. Or whether they're supporting <coughs> Black Lives Matter or whether they're a racist or whether they're outspoken or whether they're a conservative or whether, I mean, we have all these labels now. When right. my generation spent all this time trying to eliminate labels. And now there's even yeah. more than ever. Before yeah. it was a boy girl, now we got all this other stuff. Well, yeah, but also you have, I mean, the only people pushing for segregation of any kind are is the left now, which gets really confusing. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, well, look, I really, really appreciate uh, you coming on today. This is a great, a you great know, trademark, great conversation. Um, I had a really good time, and we can do it again. I'm happy to do it again. But um, but let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. And for those who are listening or watching, on the network please go have a great conversation but play by the rules thanks for listening to rules of the game Please give us a five-star review and share with all your friends who are interested in thoughtful and entertaining discussions. Be sure also to visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash rules of the game and on Facebook at facebook.com slash ROTG podcast. If you're interested in joining the conversation as a contributor or lively discussions with other thoughtful citizens, then go to greatconversations.us. Also, last but certainly not least, check out our sponsor and benefactor, Independent Education at indead.us, where they mastered the art of the micro school before it was cool. <laughs>